What's up and welcome to the single player experience. I'm your host Sebastian Malden and today's episode we're focusing on retro games. I said we because I decided to bring in a heavy hitter for this subject. My guest today is Dot Eater's own Bill Hunter. Bill is the perfect guest for this subject because he runs the Dot Eater's website which chronicles the history and progression of video games. In this episode, Bill is going to talk about his favorite single-player games and the retro games he thinks you should check out. So, if you're a single-player gamer who's looking for some good retro games to check out, then this is the right episode for you. So, without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, hit the beat. This is the Single Player Experience, the podcast that helps single-player gamers manage their video game backlog. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and my main quest is to help you manage your ever-growing video game backlog by letting you know which single-player games are worth your time and money so that you can have the best single-player experience. Now, without further ado, let's start the show. DJ, cut the beat. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said in the intro, we have a very special guest with us today. He's from the Hunter Wick YouTube channel and the Dot Eaters website, where you can find a whole lot of like retro games that you should definitely check out. This is the one, the only, William Hunter. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing good, Sebastian. Thanks for having me. Man, thank you for being on the show. So before we begin, though, can you introduce yourself to the audience for the people who may not know you? Right. Well, like you said, I run a website called The Dot Eaters. It's a early history of video games ranging from systems that were in existence before Pong all the way up until about the Nintendo Entertainment System. And then I also have a section on computer games too. So everything like from mainframe games up into when Electronic Arts was founded. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, so with that long list of like, history there i'm very curious what is your top five games of all time right well i got, I don't know if you can see it on my sh i guess you can't see it on the <laughs> audio but i have a my zork shirt on so oh, that's cool. um definitely i think zork was probably the first game i ever purchased on a floppy on the five and a quarter inch floppy mm -hmm. and uh for my commodore 64 and uh, so adventure games like Zork and the Sierra graphic adventures and stuff like that were, uh, you know, big influences on me being a gamer through my life. So I'd have to say Zork for a computer. Also, Mule was a great game. It was like a strategy game. You'd all sit at the same computer. Two people would be on the joysticks and then the two other people would have either side of the keyboard to play with. And you're like, you're on a planet and you're trying to grow crops and get energy from the sun and you're trying to like make enough money that at the end of the rounds you've got enough to survive on this planet oh, and then there's there was like an auction section where you'd like the stuff you grow you'd sell it to the other colonists and you're trying to get the highest money and everyone's trying to pay the lowest amount for it and it's like you're yelling at each other and you know <laughs> screwing each other over and stuff it was a lot of fun so zork mule in the arcades i think the game i played the most was uh, elevator action which was a, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, it's like uh, you're a spy that's trying to infiltrate this building and you're going up and down elevators and there's little stairs you walk up and down and there's, this guy, there's all these doors in each floor and the enemy pops out of the doors and they shoot at you and you can like duck or jump or shoot them. Mm -hmm. and you're trying to make your way and then it gets diabolical, the design of it. And then uh, I put some modern stuff in there too. Uh, the GTA games are just amazing. Like They really are. 
you know, it's a kind of a cliche now that if you're a gamer, you're playing GTA, but I still love those games and I still love, I love the worlds they build that you're playing and it's like a big sandbox where everything reacts to what you do and it's really kind of amazing. And then, uh, was that three? I can't remember. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. I think that's, <laughs> but, but you know what? A game I want to mention that really, you know, really impressed me is I don't know if you ever played it. It's um, Death Stranding. Yeah, Hideo mm-hmm. uh, Kojima. Yeah, except Kojima's uh, latest. I think he's announced another one. I think, but uh, Death Stranding is an amazing game. Just it's just amazing. <laughs> it's astounding to play because <laughs> it is bonkers. It is. It like really completely is completely insane. Like what you're doing in the world and it's really more or less you're just you know the big joke about uh uh role-playing online role-playing games is like fedex missions where you're like some guys <laughs> says, you take a mission they go okay here yeah fetch quest here, here take this and take it there and that's really what death stranding is <laughs> the whole thing is just you're delivering shit but uh it's amazing just the world they build and just how balls to the wall uh, kojima was when he made this he, he didn't compromise anything it's just like this is like I take the craziest ideas i'm gonna put in a game and then, then it's a pretty cohesive, enjoyable game to play in itself. The gameplay is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have to mark that. It's a great one. And then the uh, most recent one is probably um, Horizon Forbidden West, which was love it. an astounding game. Absolutely love it. So that's a strong list there. A lot of diversity there as far right. as like... You well, know, it's, have, it's of- geared on the retro side because... Mm-hmm. You know, I still use emulators and play all these games, and I have a pretty good collection of the consoles themselves. But, uh, you know, the, so it's heavy on the retro side. But there's, I love modern gaming too. I, you know, I'm a gamer through and through, I guess. Yeah. Before we dive deep into some of your recommendations for gaming, let's talk about you. What inspired you to create the website and to really hone in on the retro games side of the fence? Right. Well, way back in the late 90s, there was a series of documentaries about one was um, called uh, Triumph of the Nerds, which was sort of about the building of of the tech industry and how it started, like the invention of the personal computer, pretty much, and all the different all the different companies that built up around that, and just the crazy personalities like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and all these other people. And then they did a sequel to that called can't remember the second one. I think it was 2.0, the same thing, but mm-hmm. 2.0. And it was all about the online systems that were built up around it too. And it just fascinated me so much. All of this, this history of the computer, personal computer and the online internet is, uh, and at the same time that I watched those documentaries, there was, uh, there were these, I got into MAME, the multiple arcade machine emulator program. Mm-hmm. And just the thousands of arcade games that this thing emulated, right? And so I started playing these arcade games that I had played when I was a kid. And it, the two kind of meshed, you know, like when I was playing these games, I wanted to know more information about how they were made and who made them. And at the time, there was maybe two websites that were dedicated to the history of video games. And they weren't really sort of a comprehensive as I wanted. So I thought, well, I'll just start my own. And so I started researching and reaching out to people and and uh, writing articles. And I think I'm approaching, I might be even over the 25th anniversary of the site. I started it in 1998. So oh, that's really cool. <laughs> that's really yeah. cool. Congratulations on the longevity there. Thanks. So 
That is really cool. So over the years, you've played tons of games, whether it be like, you know, emulation or on modern day consoles. What games do you th- really think like are the best single player ex- experiences that people can have? Like what are the best single player games that people can play? Right. Well, it's funny. Um, you know, used to, the gaming industry, of course, started as single player games. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was super rare to have anything online. Right. I just remember living through this time where you started to see in the late 80s with games. I think the first game I probably ever played online was um, Populous by Peter Molyneux and Bullfrog Games. It was an amazing game. One of the first God games. Uh-huh. Like now you have SimCity and all this other stuff, but those, these were the, sort of the guys that started it. And uh, there was an online component and it was super rare. Like at that time, I was like, wow, you could play online with other people. You know, of course, the modem, uh-huh. you know, at like, you know, whatever it was, 14, 4K or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and it became more and more like a part of the game that had to be there. And then it became the thrust of video games was online play. Mm-hmm. Right, and it was just an amazing arc to see that it came from something so rare to something that was always included to something that had to be there, and uh, I just think that progression of technology was really fascinating to me that that it got so popular. It is, and, it is right. But single player games, uh, I still love those too. Like I don't know, I don't want to slag the online community too much or gaming community too much, but there's a you know a super lot of griefing and if you're not you know the top tier player if you can't dedicate you know hours and hours and hours just hundreds of hours to get really good at these games then you kind of get smoked while you're playing them or people you know like give you shit or whatever Uh so it's always good to go back and play a single player game and i don't know like i was mentioning death stranding it's a that's got a really neat online component where you're never really facing off with other people but what you do in the world, what you build in the world helps other people, right? Uh-huh. Like if you put up a ladder to climb up a cliff or you put a rope to climb down a cliff or you build a bridge or you help pave a road, then what you've done impacts other players. And I think that's really cool. That's a really nice balance between the actions and reactions in the game actually uh-huh. affect other people without kind of a confrontation aspect of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's almost the equivalent of like, you know, when you go to like a restaurant or a fast food place like McDonald's and you're in the drive through and you get up to the account, like the window and and you hear the lady or the guy say like, hey, the person in front of you already paid for you. And would you like to pay it back like to the next person? So it's (laughs) almost a video game equivalent of that. And it's nice and death stranding too, because when you get a feedback because other people give you likes Mm -hmm. and it kind of increases your stature and gives you sort of more power in the game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really cool thing like one of the th- reasons like I created this podcast a single player experience was because like I really wanted to highlight um, single player games because I feel like they're almost overshadowed in a world that's becoming extremely multiplayer so to speak and right. it's almost that single player experience is almost like reading a book you know like these people crafted a world like specifically for you to immerse yourself in rather than you to compete in more so or like rather than like you to have this community experience. It's almost like you're enjoying a show so like on right. Netflix or any or something like that. So I think Death Stranding is a really cool like mixture of a like multiplayer features in a single player game. Right. 
And the other one I'd say is Horizon Forbidden West and Zero Dawn before it were mm-hmm. really amazing single-player games. A great experience because you're by yourself in the game playing, but you're in this world, right? That's one thing I find that's really fascinating me about gaming. Like what, what I find really fascinating about gaming is the world building if they do it really well. Mm-hmm. And it's like games like GTA where you, they build the city and as you kind of go crazy in it, causing all this mayhem, the world reacts around you in a pretty, you know, it's sometimes it's over the top, but it's also sort of, it feels very real. Like this is the kind of thing that would happen if you pull out a machine gun and start blasting away in an intersection. People yell and scream and, you mm-hmm. know, like cars start veering off all over the place. And it's like your action causes a really hilarious and kind of <laughs> almost real reaction. It really does. And the world they built in uh, Horizon Forbidden West and Zero Dawn, those amazing worlds, and it's a great story, and Aloy is a really amazing character. Right? She really is. I don't think she gets yeah. enough credit for how like really cool she and layered she is as a character. I know Yeah, like, exactly. It's almost that she is the equivalent of a main character of a really in-depth sci-fi movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Another thing, mentioning that, another great single-player experience is, of course, the Mass Effect games. Which are amazing. I don't know if you're a Trekkie or not, but the Mass Effect games to me always feel like the best Star Trek games that were never made as Star Trek games, right? I can see that. It's just, it's a world where humanity is like trying to do its best. It's trying to improve itself. It's reaching out into the wider galaxy and just trying to do it the best it can. Mm -hmm. And just the, the things they have to kind of fight against and the allies they have to make and the sacrifices they have to make. It's like, they're amazing games. They really are. I am so excited to see what the next generation of Mass Effect is going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. I am really excited. But yeah, I think, um, I don't know if you played the Legendary Edition that, that yep. just came out recently, but like such a I'm good sort of collection. working my way through it. Yeah, it is meaty. It is very meaty. I've um recently, I played through the first one and now I'm back on Mass Effect 2. And that's right. the one I really have to take care of as so to speak and really nurture my relationships with other people because like as you know <laughs> playing those games that really has like <laughs> dire consequences yeah for sure and uh yeah mass effect one i just I'm, i never played it i started with two so oh wow i, I like, okay. sort of worked my way through it as like that's a little bit of a slog but mm-hmm. mass effect two is where the series really started to sing i think I always feel like Mass Effect 1, while the story is good, always felt like a prologue of game mechanics where they tried a lot of things to see what would stick. And then Mass Effect 2 is where I feel like they really nailed this is what the series should be like. Yeah. Yeah. The combat is much better in the the second one going forward. For sure. And then it feels like that, like two and three feels like a modern day game, but like one feels like a game that was a generation prior to it. Yeah. Exactly. It really does. It really does. So do you have any other um, modern recommendations that you think people should check out, um, especially single-player gamers? No, I don't think so. I think that's it. I think that's a strong list, though. I'm like, yeah. that's already alone, like, more than 120 hours of gameplay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, for sure. So I rec- definitely recommend, sorry, definitely recommend people pick up the legendary edition of Mass Effect and just work your way through it because, you know, it's a world like that's less kind of fantasy than uh, Horizon games, but uh, mm-hmm. it's still a great science fiction world that, you know, and the allies and the people you meet and the motivations they have and just really a great single-player experience. It really is. So let's talk about the retro side of the fence. Like, sure. 
what retro games do you think, like especially on the single player side of uh, the fence, what retro games would you recommend to people to really right. check out? Yeah. Like I said, uh, Mule or really any of the games by Dan Bunton, then known as Dan uh-huh. Bunton, then um, transitioned to Danny Buntonberry. And what's funny is Danny Bunton was maybe one of the strongest promoters of online gaming at a time where, like I said, it was super rare. Like the, uh, she did games like Mule, we did Couch Play, and then uh, she did a couple of great single-player experiences too, like um, Seven Cities of Gold, where you, you're you told by the King of Spain to like go to the New World and like gather riches, and you go, you sail across, and you land in the New World, and you're like trying to deal with the natives, and you're trying to exploit things, and you can play the, play the game the way you feel like you can just conquer the natives, or you can try to trade with them, and you know, come to a kind of a peaceful, you know, coexistence with them. Mm-hmm. And then Heart of Africa was another great single-player game of hers, where you're in the continent of Africa and you're again exploring it and trying to deal with um, the people there, whether or not you're going to go, you know, if you're going to exploit or cooperate and coexist with a couple of great games. And then she actually went into more uh, multiplayer and came out with a couple of the first multiplayer games that like you could play four people online and stuff like that really Mm -hmm. helped um, pioneer that whole aspect of it but her single player games are really good too I'd definitely recommend them Oh, that's good. What uh, retro console do you think has the best catalog of um, games like for single players? Right. Well, I always say um, my favorite retro game console has to be the ColecoVision. Oh, really? uh, Yeah. Because, you know, the Atari VCS kind of set the market. There were other consoles before that, but those are the one that really took off in the public's uh, imagination and became synonymous with video games, right? Atari mm-hmm. was at the time, if you if your mother was saying, uh, you know, you're on your video games too much, she'd say, you're on Atari too much, right? <laughs> no matter what the console. But, uh, you know, I'd have to say the ColecoVision was because it was the games they made was heavily relied on arcade transitions, but the adaptations they made of the games in the arcade was as amazing. Like there's, you look at it and you see a lot of problems. It's not quite a perfect translation from arcade to console, but at the time it was astounding. Like this close she could get to the arcade at home were playing ColecoVision games and had great graphics and great audio. And the gameplay was really good. And they were heavily influenced uh, Nintendo when they went to, um, you know, the whole uh, industry crashed in 83, 84, and video games just went whoosh, and just disappeared. And mm-hmm. a couple of years later, 85, 86, Nintendo came along with the NES and saved it. But uh, I'd have to say my favorite uh, console is the ColecoVision, and there's great games like Space Panic was a great adaptation on the uh, ColecoVision. There was um, <laughs> oh, a lot of, my mind's blank right now. The, yeah, Smurf game, the Smurf game was hilarious to play. Ladybug Venture was an amazing single-player experience on the ColecoVision. Just your little guy going through all these different mazes with monsters chasing you and you're trying to gather these treasures. And it was great stuff. It was really, you know, at the time where if you wanted, before, if you wanted the video game experience, arcade experience, you have to go feeding quarters into these machines, <laughs> you know, have the ColecoVision and just play them all at home. And mm-hmm. it's super, that's best the translation as you can get of those games at the time. Yeah, how hard is it to find a ColecoVision right now? I think there's, I don't think it's very hard, and I don't think the ColecoVision, you know, prices of uh, every year prices of uh, retro video game systems seem to go up, up, up. But I think the ColecoVision is, you know, 
is not a, they made this, it was a huge seller. Like uh, not as, again, not as big as the Atari, but you know, they sold really well. There's quite a few of them that were made. So I think there's quite a few that are available you can get at. So I couldn't even imagine what the prices are. Maybe, I don't know, 150 bucks, maybe. That's not too bad. Yeah. That's, that's something like that. So with the style of like indies really popping off and really having a lot of like retro flair to them, do you mm. really feel like the indie game market is picking up where retro games kind of left off? You know, like everything moved to that 3D model now and now a lot of stuff is leaning more towards retro and the indie landscape. How do you feel about the representation of indies now? Absolutely. That's exactly what happened. Like, uh, you know, look at a game like uh, Minecraft which mm-hmm. was, you know, probably still is, you know, the most successful video game ever created. And it's just, you know, blocky graphics, right? Yeah. What was the big thing of uh, Atari and ColecoVision? You know, it's blocky graphics, but then all of a sudden blocky graphics became the thing to do because, again, you shape this world. Minecraft just gave you an incredible amount of impact on the world, right? Mm-hmm. Just from the first time where you, you go into the game and you're just punching the hell out of a tree trying to get uh, wood, <laughs> right? And you mm-hmm. take the wood and you make a house and then the house has all its, you know, you got to do windows and doors and it's second floor and, you know, you just, you get sucked into this world and it's all just block, blocky graphics. So really wanted to talk to you about the retro landscape as far as recommendations for the NES. What some games you think people should definitely check out if they wanted to like dive into that catalog? Right. Well, definitely the old standards on the NES, like Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. incredible like it's neat to me thinking about super mario brothers where you get this game and you start playing it and like there's a funny joke where that first mushroom koopa that comes onto the screen is like the biggest mass murderer in video game history because people start to go huh what am i supposed to do and the thing just kills you right how many marios has it killed right over the years <laughs> <laughs> right the greatest mass murder in video game history but uh, you start this game and you see a you see a static screen right at the beginning of Super Mario Brothers. Like Mario appears and the guy's coming towards you, and it just looks like it's another platform game, right? Mm-hmm. And there's another there's a little platform there, and it looks like oh, I'm just going to be a platform game. And then you move to the right, and the whole world starts unfurling in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. And you run and you jump over and you you go up things and the, just moving to the right and then just seeing the world open up like that. It's not a single screen anymore. You're running across this entire world and then you go get to the end and you go into another one. That's an amazing experience. You know, just to see how shocked people must have been when they started playing that. And of course, the other one is Link, right? The Zelda games. Mm-hmm. Because just an amazing concept of adventure in those games. Just discovery and adventure and finding new things and Definitely the, those two are ones you've got to play if you want to get a sample of you know, the, the system that the video game landscape had cratered in 83, 84. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with video games anymore. And Nintendo just, you know, ball, a ballsy move just said, you know, we've got a great console here. We've got big success in Japan So in the, with the Famicom, and we're going to bring that to North America, we'll retool it. We'll make it kind of look like a VHS machine where you slide the thing into the front and put the lid down. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of fool people into thinking, no, it's not a video game, right? It's an entertainment system. And uh, they had a little robot, Rob, that they sold with it because Teddy Ruxpin and all those kind of little robots. Tommy had robots and stuff like that. So it was sort of a, a Trojan horse where they're going to 
bring video games back to North America, you know, as a robot. It's a little robot that plays with you, right? Mm-hmm. So definitely those two games are uh, standards on the NES that people probably should check out and just see how good Nintendo was to it save the entire industry on the backs of these games. That's really cool. So you mostly play like a mixture between modern and retro. What retro game do you find yourself going back to play the most? Right. I find that uh, pretty much, uh, this might, I'm going to think about this one. Like I said, if I'm firing up a, an arcade emulator, I'm going to be going right to elevator action because it's, it's something about that. It's like an action and puzzle game mixed together. I really like. I would also play the ultimate games are a lot of fun to play. I find myself going back to like three, four, and five are like probably some of the best RPG games, you know, of that era. Mm-hmm. Just again, building a great world where there's uh, quite a bit of interaction and hidden stuff and, you know, places to explore. And those are really great. So, um, and a lot, everything from EA in that period, right? It, it's funny looking at EA. Yeah, who they are now versus. Yeah, EA. exactly. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Like, I always think of the great quote from Batman where it's like, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. And that's what's <laughs> going on with these companies like Activision and Electronic Arts, where they started. Activision was a response to like, there was a bunch of guys at Atari. They were making the top Atari games. And one day they looked at it and they go, we're responsible for like 60% of the sales for Atari. They made $100 million last year. So we're like $60 million making for this company. And we're not, they won't even put our names on the box. So they're like, you know, we'll go off and do our, do our own thing. And we're going to bring, we're going to show how important the actual designers of these games are. And it's the same thing with EA. They, they wanted to, you know, Trip Hawkins founded it. He wanted to make, people who made video games into superstars, you know, and put their names and bios on the box and package video games, you know, in a copying the the music industry, making records and, you know, make buying a video game as cool as buying a, a record. And uh, now uh, Activision is the Call of Duty factory and, uh, you know, EA is, you know, making sports games. It's like, you know, at NHL 15, NHL 16, you know, we made the puck a little faster or we give you another check, right? Like every, <laughs> every year you're supposed to buy a new version of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've come a long way. They're, you know, I expect a company to try to make money, but it's just they're, yeah, I think they've gone all, moved quite a ways from being pioneers in the industry to just being kind of what the problem is in the industry. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So I got one last question for you. Sure. If, Kirby absorbed you. What kind of power would he get? I think he would probably get a really great skill in researching. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) It's not visually, you know, exciting. (laughs) But uh, just one thing I I do over and over again is just researching these systems and absorbing all this information and then trying to put it out in a kind of an interesting, relating it interestingly to people and visually to trying to capture the era in which these games were developed and the people who developed them. So it's going to become a really awesome researcher. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Any tips for anyone who really wants to get into like that research landscape? Yeah, well, uh, it definitely takes a lot of skill like in organization. That's, okay. re- that's really 
Kirby's going to be super organized if he absorbs <laughs> me, right? Because uh, you need to cite everything, every piece of information you get. You know, you can't rely on just one source. You've got to get uh, multiple sources and then cite everything so everybody can follow your research, what you're doing. And, you know, reaching out to the people that were involved and the experts in the field right now, that's, I recommend that people just do that. Just be curious, intellectually curious, and just reach out and all the information you get, correlate it together, and then just see if it makes sense, and then go from there. That sounds good. That sounds good. Well, before we go, I got to ask you, where can the good people find you? Yeah, well, you can go to my website. It's thedoteaters.com. And uh, like I said, I've got a big, long range of of history from pre-pong to the NES and everything in between and all the great computer companies of the era. And then on YouTube, you can see my YouTube channel that I operate with a partner. It's called Hunterwick, and it's a lot of popular videos on popular culture and little skits and stuff like that. So I'd invite people to check that out. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, Bill, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'd mm-hmm. love to have you back. So anytime you feel like you want to come back, just hit me up. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Sebastian. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, well, until next time, peace. So that's a wrap for today's show. I want to give a special shout out to Bill Hunter. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. So what did you think about today's episode? I thought Bill gave a nice mixture of retro games and modern games that you should consider adding to your video game backlog list. If you want me or my community of gamers to give you feedback on your video game backlog list, then join us in the single player experience discord server. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list or just simply talk about good single player game experiences that you've had lately. The link to join those will be in the show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope to catch you in the next one. In the meanwhile, stay up. Don't let the world get you down. Until next time, peace.